Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gray Matters. Uh, My name is Jim Dwyer, and although I can still hear that crazy music from the previous half hour in my headphones, you probably can't. But even if you could, it would still be Gray Matters. Dick Whaley is just arriving in the studio, uh, no doubt uh, on bicycle perhaps and uh, dealing with this uh, prolonged rain makes for a more cautious bike ride, I would imagine. Indeed, I'm here. I was going to take my canoe, but uh, there wasn't quite as much water on the ground as I'd been uh, seeing in Massachusetts, so I didn't think I needed it. Well, this does mark, what, the fifth continuous day of uh, rain, and although we uh, do, of course, need uh, the rain, water tables have been uh, gradually getting a little lower each year, Um, the uh, abundance of rain is getting a little uh, confusing, as is the echo. Yeah, I think I am. We're hearing uh, about a six-second delay on, on what I'm saying. It's either, a, it's either an echo chamber or we're actually at a Pink Floyd concert. <laughs> In which the visual special effects are going all wrong, because and, all I see is Alex. And we're making phone calls, so uh, boy, ho- hopefully the NSA is monitoring. Oh, I'm sure they are. Who we're calling, I'm sure yesterday was a bonanza for them. 120 million, probably, uh, million Americans called their mothers yesterday. And uh, who knows how many of those mothers may have also phoned people who are engaged in terror. Terror. The endless battle cry of the Bush administration. And, of course, tonight uh, Bush is going to distract everybody by, uh, gee, having a uh, primetime speech, I think for the first time in five years on a domestic issue, in this case, immigration. So he's... uh, yeah, it looks like Jim is, is going to try and fix the echo problem because it is, uh, it's rather interesting. It seems like uh, it's either a flashback from the 60s or technical problems in the 21st century. But yeah, immigration, boy, it's uh, a real doozy of an issue for the Republican Party. Uh, they seem to be at odds with one another about what to do, how to compromise between the House and Senate. Bush is going to make his viewpoints clear. And, of course, the big uh, proposal, it seems, is uh, dispatching the National Guard to uh, the border, militarizing the border, uh, tapping into the National Guard that's already well past tapped. And uh, this may actually invite more criticism of Bush's ultimate proposal. Who knows? Maybe he's just going to uh, hire illegal immigrants to police the border. Well, maybe he can get them to join the National Guard. <laughs> this a, might be one way to invite them. Modified uh, jobs program or whatever whatever they're calling that. Uh, it's certainly the Senate bill is not an amnesty bill. Um, but uh, this, I think, is basically a distraction from the real issues of the day. Something does need to be done about immigration, but I think that the sad reality is that this is unfortunately being uh, used... Uh, for exploitative uh, election purposes. It's no doubt a playbook that Karl Rove is uh, digging deep into the file files uh, to find because he doesn't want to deal with uh, the, say, 2,443 Americans now dead in Iraq or uh, 
massive deficits that keep uh, exploding under the Bush administration. And while it's interesting that the new Republican domestic uh, sort of talking points seem to be talking up the economy, the strength of the economy, that doesn't work either. Uh, Bush's approval rating on how he's handling the economy is 31 percent, one degree below freezing Fahrenheit. And... uh, pretty much the same uh, as it is uh, as his overall approval rating. So uh, because of rising insurance costs, health care costs, stagnant wages, rising gasoline prices, uh, now rising house insurance costs due to the uh, hurricanes, etc., the average American is uh, not feeling better under the Bush tax cut uh, Reagan uh, revolution part two, and uh, certainly the well, those budget deficits and trade deficit numbers just keep um, climbing with uh, no end in sight, <clears throat> though there was a marginal improvement apparently last month in the trade deficit. As William Greider once pointed out, uh, the trade deficit really never improves uh, in America unless there is a, re- a recession that's eminent. Em- so. Well, it's interesting. In today's New York Times and Wall Street Journal, there are articles about how the Christian right is putting additional pressure on the Republican Party and Bush himself to do the right thing. Um, In the Wall Street Journal, there's an article about how feeling this uh, pinch of low poll numbers, and in fact, if Bush's numbers are low, uh, certainly Cheney's and uh, others in the party are lower, uh, that the Republican Party strategy is to essentially pitch to the choir um, to kind of resell the party to the hardcore uh, activists within the Republican Party. Um, this does not seem like a uh, way to work against these poll numbers, although <clears throat> Elizabeth Boomiller in her uh, White House letter always finding a nice little human interest uh, story in the murky confines of the White House, focuses today on Cheney's daughter, who uh, has a new book out, apparently, and it wants the world to know that he's not the Darth Vader of the Bush administration, but, quote, a big, warm, fuzzy guy. And while he may be, in fact, a loving and understanding father, uh, one can certainly applaud his acceptance of... Uh, Mary Cheney's uh, homosexuality, uh, given his party's stance on that uh, not-so-controversial issue. But uh, it it is worth remembering that uh, even as horrible a man, and I'm not comparing Dick Cheney to Adolf Eichmann, but such a horrible man as Eichmann was a loving grandfather. So it is possible to be a doting father, a, a, a wonderful, generous grandfather, and an architect of mass murder. Yeah, well, the Nazis, I'm sure, had family values, as they say. Uh, of course, uh, Cheney is starting to resemble Sluggo from the old Mr. Bill uh, <laughs> cartoon. Because uh, it just oh, occurred, no. it, it occurred to me this week that Michael Hayden, a newly appointed uh, director of the CIA, with obviously controversial uh, hearings upcoming regarding the NSA... Uh, eavesdropping program as well as this now uh, apparently uh, well how shall we uh, paraphrase this rampant buggery (laughs) (laughs) I thought the uh, Republicans were against uh, homosexual marriage but I think that was a a phrase that John Stewart used to describe the eavesdropping program rampant buggery (laughs) but uh, yeah getting back to Michael Hayden it's just about as intrusive (laughs) 
Dick Cheney as Sluggo. I'm reminded of that uh, Mr. Bill skit where uh, he works out with Sluggo, uh, lifting weights and doing exercise. This was back in the late 70s when exercise was starting to become the craze. Nike was just getting started. And, of course, Mr. Bill ends up in the sauna after the workout <laughs> and comes out in very skinny condition. So Michael uh, Hayden's resemblance to John Poindexter, uh, it occurred to me that probably he'd been working out <laughs> both with Dick Cheney and or Sluggo and has come out as John Poindexter in disguise as Michael Hayden, much skinnier and a little smaller after a little tighter skin, the vigorous workout and the sauna after the workout. So uh, Dick Cheney is now sluggo, and, of course, it's now being reported that he even uh, was in favor of wider uh, surveillance by the NSA. Well, his name continues to be bandied about in the uh, scooter trial as well. So who knows uh, what lies in Dick Cheney's future. I still think that a trip to Prisoner Island might be on the dock for him. And, of course, just a couple of weeks ago, it was revealed that the FBI is spying now on Americans... This apparently is a return to the bad old 60s um, and <clears throat> utilizing the excuse of making us safer. Um, the FBI is monitoring the Quakers and other anti-war groups. Uh, this also, by the way, went on in the 1980s. Uh, it's forgotten that uh, many domestic uh, activist groups involved in Latin American politics, for instance, like... Uh, Suspis uh, were actually monitored by uh, the Reagan administration and the FBI slash CIA. Well, even to the extent of having uh, cars and license plates photographed at uh, rallies and meetings and so forth to try and identify uh, to the fullest extent possible. And I'm sure there are many listeners who've been photographed at uh, some of those anti-Reagan uh, administration uh, rallies back in the 80s there here in town. Well, and by the way, just on this phony issue of uh, the Bush administration making us safer, it was troubling to hear uh, Michael Hayden in, in defending the program, and I'm essentially paraphrasing him. He says, basically, we are freer because we're safer. <laughs> Great. Uh, uh, just saying that doesn't make it so. Exactly. But uh, I'm reminded of a column that uh, David Cole wrote in the London Review, or the New York Review of Books, excuse me, uh, dated the March 23rd, 06 edition, uh, where he talks about the uh, claim that the Bush administration is making us safer. He writes, the president's assertions about the library tower plot again underscore the need for uh, close scrutiny in assessing the administration's claims. The president described a plan in 2002 to use shoe bombs to break down the cockpit door, overpower the pilots, and then fly the hijacked plane into the tower. The alleged planners, described only as Southeast Asians, were captured in early 2002 in Asia. As far as we know, no one has been charged, much less convicted of any crime in connection with the alleged plot. Intelligence officials told the Washington Post that, quote, there was deep disagreement within the intelligence community over whether... It was ever much more than talk. A senior FBI official said that to, quote, to take that and make it into a disrupted plot is just ludicrous, unquote. Bruce Hoffman, a terrorist expert at RAND, said of Bush's latest account, quote, it doesn't really give us any more indication of whether this was a plot that was derailed 
or preempted, or a plot that was more just in the realm of idle daydream. The L.A. Times reported that when a plot was first uh, publicly disclosed, authorities said, quote, That said, at best, the alleged plot was something that had been discussed but never put into action. Moreover, while U.S. officials reportedly learned about some of the plot's details by captured al-Qaeda leader Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, he was captured in 2003, long after the planners had been arrested. As the L.A. Times put it, quote, by the time anybody knew it, the threat, if there had been one, had passed, as federal counterterrorism officials said. So these unsubstantiated claims that the Bush administration keeps using uh, about how they're making us safer uh, just doesn't hold up to uh, close scrutiny. <laughs> well, there's an article in today's Financial Times uh, headlined, U.S., quote, must beware, close quote, rise in al-Qaeda oil strikes. And here uh, the specter is raised of future attacks. And while I'm sure there's likely to be an incident of one kind or another uh, rustled up before the November elections, uh, this, in the the business news, is uh, kind of a head-scratcher. Um, who knows? Well, why worry about al-Qaeda when you have people in Nigeria tapping into the uh, petrol lines and, you know, there right. was this horrible explosion over the weekend uh, in which 250 people, something like that, died uh, from... Gasoline. This is really ironic, by the way. Nigeria exports raw crude and is one of uh, America's largest suppliers, in fact. And then they re-import uh, refined gasoline, uh, which uh, can only be characterized as bizarre and probably is a true... Uh, well, it's textbook British imperialism style uh, approach to uh, natural resources. Yeah, it's a true picture of the competence of the Nigerian uh, regime. And a pretty good indicator of uh, globalized capital. Well, speaking of uh, capitalism out of control, here's an interesting item from today's Wall Street Journal about Boeing settling out uh, for the, the tune of $615 million. A deal has been struck which allows the uh, defense uh, contracting giant to avoid criminal charges and contracting scandals. Um, this article by Andy Pastor is kind of interesting because all throughout his pieces of information are qualified with this phrase, say people familiar with the details. Boeing Company has agreed to pay $615 million to end three years of Justice Department investigations into high-profile contracting scandals at the defense giant, say people familiar with the details. The largest Financial pen. This is the largest financial penalty ever imposed on a military contractor for weapons program improprieties, and yet, as the article details, it is also seen as an important victory for Boeing. So that's a win-win for everybody. The uh, American taxpayer gets to say, hey, finally, uh, some of these military contractors are being called to task for their improprieties, and Boeing gets to say, whew, no more investigations for two years, and this isn't even uh, uh, the extent of what it could have been. Uh, it was probably going to be something more like, I think, $750 million in penalties, but uh, they've been able to strike this lucky deal. 
Well, and yeah, some of the contracting that continues in Washington is just uh, beyond the realm of, of co- comprehensibility. Uh, we, of course, as a nation, I think, have spent something like $80 billion on Star Wars. But some of the uh, New Age weapon uh, we- weapon systems that uh, are contemplated by the uh, new-look Pentagon under Donald Rumsfeld are fanciful at best and certainly... Uh, ineffective on the war on terror. Well, not only that, but we've talked numerous times, and you have uh, for for years, Dick, talked about how uh, the Cold War was the biggest fraud uh, just about in human history, and the, the money and the resources just poured right down a hole by this country alone throughout that time, and we see it continuing. And the way we spend this kind of money on uh, programs and munitions and so forth that neither make us more secure uh, nor better be loved by our fellow citizens around the world. Uh, it's just tragic uh, the way in which this bad, good money is turned into bad. Well, and the Cold War is, yeah, has never been examined for its um, counterproductive results. And uh, it's certainly, when you look at the national, quote, debt ceiling, which has been raised something like five times under the Bush administration and the so-called fiscal conservatives uh, in Washington that run the uh, GOP in both uh, houses of Congress, uh, it's it's startling. I'm reminded of this uh, uh, letter from Washington uh, from the... Uh, Harper's uh, Magazine, uh, January 2004, by Wayne Biddle, in which he talks about uh, how uh, uh, teachers at the schools in Washington, D.C. have found it necessary to donate toilet paper for the <laughs> bathrooms there and uh, also supply uh, pens, pencils and papers for their students uh, due to budget cuts. Meanwhile, of course, uh, and, and this letter is basically... Um, a response to the uh, $87 billion that was at the time being put, quote, off budget by the administration right. to pay for the war on terror uh, in both Iraq and uh, Afghanistan. He writes, uh, Wayne Biddle here, nonetheless, the budget computations do shock, at least in the Kantian sense of mathematical sublime. Last summer, the CBO projected, and this, by the way, was written in January of 2004, projected uh, $1.4 trillion in deficits over the next 10 years, using more realistic economic assumptions rather than the CBO's rigid model. Wayne Rudman, or excuse me, Warren Rudman, uh, and uh, his researchers at several nonprofits that analyze such matters figure a cumulative deficit of $5 trillion in uh, with annual interest payments, get this, alone reaching $470 billion, or 15% of revenues, by 2013. And this is far from a worst-case scenario. A similar exercise by numbers crunchers at Goldman Sachs, or by the way, a Wall oh. Street banking corporation, uh, easily reached a figure of $5.5 trillion, according to the Rudman Groups, to balance the budget by 2013. Even under fairly optimistic assumptions behind their calculations, it would require raising individual and corporate income taxes by 27%, cutting Social Security by 60%, cutting defense by 73%. Like that'll happen. Or cutting all programs other than defense, Homeland Security and Social Security and Medicare by 40%. Uh, These are the phony numbers that keep 
being bandied around uh, about in Washington, and I wanted to give out a brain damage award uh, to the U.S. Senate that just this past week passed uh, an incredibly irresponsible so-called tax cut bill that uh, extended the tax cuts another two years uh, for the wealthiest Americans. It's been widely reported that millionaires are going to see enormous tax cut benefits from this bill, and meanwhile, the middle class will get $42. This, of course, will be used, by the way, in the upcoming congressional elections to claim that the uh, Republicans are fiscally responsible and the Democrats are not. Um, Of course, the Democrats have their own problems, but uh, this earmarking um, charade that continues in Washington um, is mind-boggling and is one of the things that's quite troubling and actually explains in part some of the downslide uh, that Bush has experienced in recent months, even amongst conservatives, regarding his uh, approval ratings, uh, because they see him for who he actually is. Yeah, actually some uh, interesting numbers here from the the new Harper's Index, which, by the way, has a new uh, front columnist, Lewis Lapham, has uh, stepped down after a number of years. I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but these numbers fit right in with uh, what we're discussing. Year that a signboard tallying the U.S. national debt was erected near Times Square, 1989. Year in which it is expected to run out of digits, 2007. Percentage change in U.S. discretionary spending during the first five years of George W. Bush's presidency, plus 35. Percentage change during Lyndon Johnson and Bill Clinton's first five years, respectively, plus 25, minus 8. So uh, clearly the uh, spending on this war is is even beyond the bounds of uh, LBJ's Vietnam uh, spending. And, of course, uh, nobody's paying for the war at the moment other than the Iraqi civilians and the uh, National Guard and American soldiers, unfortunately. And uh, it's, it's just such... Such irresponsibility that continues uh, with these leaders of our of our country. They just, uh, you know, when when uh, Ernest Hollings retired, he said that there is no uh, there's no long term thinking going on here. Everybody just thinks about the next election, and uh, he is correct. Let's see. Uh, it's probably not worth spending a whole lot of breath uh, on the passing of Abe Rosenthal, longtime uh, editor of the New York Times and its uh, op-ed page, particularly back during the Reagan years. Some pretty bleak stuff. I suppose wherever Reagan is in the great beyond, uh, Abe Rosenthal will now be there with him to applaud whatever it is that Reagan's doing. I didn't quite have the heart to dig up some of his old pieces uh, from the uh, Nicaraguan, uh, El Salvador uh, shenanigans of uh, Reagan and Bush, that whole era. Yeah, he was pretty much a disgrace during the 1980s. On his one positive side, one thing that I will give him some credit for, he did have the courage uh, in the early 70s to publish parts of the Pentagon Papers that, of course, led to the... uh, Unraveling of the Nixon presidency, uh, which eventually became the scandal known as Watergate, 
why, of course, Nixon feared the publishing of the Pentagon Papers uh, is anybody's guess. Um, I've always speculated about this, that what Nixon actually feared was uh, revelations regarding uh, his involvement in the 1950s in the Eisenhower administration. He apparently had a somewhat... uh, Mm, Cheney light role in the National Security Council back then. I don't think he was the uh, domineering Darth Vader that we now lovably call um, Mr. Burns. Yeah, even though Nixon was, of course, Eisenhower's vice president, he was in some ways still an up-and-comer. He was an up-and-comer, and, and of course, the Pentagon Papers were actually commissioned by uh, Robert McNamara, who had, by 1966, grown disillusioned with the war. I always have commented on the striking resemblance between Donald Rumsfeld and Robert McNamara, both in appearance and uh, corporate history, and their can-do management style and their number-crunching ability, their wizardry at empiricism, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously, at some point uh, during the Vietnam experience, uh, McNamara had a change of heart, had a conscience, and decided, well, how the hell did we get in this mess? And, of course, if you've seen that excellent documentary, The Fog of War, you get to see the tortured soul of Robert McNamara um, talking about his uh, experiences uh, working for the uh, military-industrial complex because some of the most devastating uh, footage in that uh, documentary is the uh, are the uh, Japanese cities that were firebombed by the American Air Force under... Curtis LeMay, the cigar-chomping chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, um, parodied so well in uh, Dr. Strangelove as uh, General Jack D. D. Ripper, Ripper. played by Sterling Hayden. That was basically Curtis LeMay right there. Uh, (laughs) He definitely was worried about the essence of purity (laughs) and essential bodily fluids. But when those, yeah, those Japanese cities that they show that were just absolutely leveled, I mean incinerated. Civilian targets. Incinerated, yeah. because Japan, of course, had cities that were mainly built out of wood uh, due to earthquake susceptibility. And they show the equivalent populations of American cities. It's just, it's mind-boggling. You know, Cleveland, San Antonio, Albuquerque, and just on and on and on. And this was, of course, before Hiroshima. Uh, but anyway... Um, Guess what Nixon feared about the publishing of the Pentagon Papers is anybody's guess, but uh, I guess we'll never know what Nixon feared. (laughs) Many, many things. But we certainly know he feared a few things, and it's just uh, reminding me of of that recent uh, book that I read about Deep Throat, where uh, Haldeman goes into Nixon and tells him... Um, that Mark W. felt may be a may be the source, and Nixon said somebody next to Gray. Mark Feld Haldeman said, "Now why the hell would he do that?" The president asked. You can't say anything about this because it will uh, it will screw up our source, and there's a real concern. Mitchell is the only one. This is Haldeman is the only one that knows, and he feels very strongly that we better not do anything because do anything, never. If we move on him, Haldeman warned he'll go out and unload everything. He knows absolutely everything that's known to the FBI. He has access to absolutely everything. 
<laughs> I love that. <laughs> Feeding into Nixon's paranoia. Haldeman reported, and this is uh, Bob Woodward writing here, reported that he had asked John Dean uh, what to do about Felt. Quote, he says you can't prosecute him, that he hasn't committed a crime. Dean's concerned that if you uh, let him know, now he'll go out and go onto network television. You know what I'd do with that bastard, Nixon said. Well, that's all I want to hear about it. And Haldeman said that Felt wanted uh, the top uh, spot at the FBI. Is he Catholic? The president asked. No, sir, he's Jewish. Christ, put a Jew in there, Nixon replied. This is just vintage Nixon. It's got all the paranoia, the anger, the racism, (laughs) and, uh, well... It's a little sparing on the foul mouth because yeah. the, the foul mouth of Nixon is also quite uh, prevalent in a lot of those transcripts as well. Pretty remarkable stuff. Uh, we've just been given the uh, two-minute warning for the program. I want to quickly mention that uh, the new Harper's Magazine will be on the stand soon. Uh, my subscriber copy just arrived. And uh, not only is uh, Lewis Lapham's Regular notebook columns uh, been replaced by a guy named Ben Metcalf, who's quite funny. This is a little piece ironically titled on the simple on simple human decency that I maybe talk about later. But a special note is uh, an article cover article by Art Spiegelman about uh, well, it's entitled "Outrageous Cartoons and Art of Outrage," and it's essentially uh, about the uh, cartoons of. Mohammed that caused such a scandal a few months back, uh, drawing blood, and he's got a profile of some offensive cartoons from earlier eras, and even these drawings of Mohammed from the Danish paper, which he rates on a uh, four-bomb scale of how offensive they are Mm -hmm. and how effective they are as art. Here's a one that's that's graded three and a half bombs because it's offensive, but clemency urged for the good graphic use of black. Um, and some uh, really wonderful comments, as well as a cartoon of his own about uh, some of the recent comments by the president of Iran. So strongly recommended when this hits the newsstands. And he, of course, published a brilliant um, cartoon book himself uh, that I believe is entitled "In the Shadows of 9/11." In the shadow of two towers. That's no of no towers. Of no towers. Yeah, it's it's an incredible uh, work of art, and certainly one of our great cartoonist of uh, of the most recent era that we live in. Um, we're uh, being told that we're out of time, so it's a little after 7 p.m. Uh, do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on this fine station, I believe with uh, Jerry Mack, but uh, maybe he had to come in on a canoe as well. <laughs> stay tuned. I'm here. Memphis Slim in the background doing walking the boogie, telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack, your host for an hour-long excursion into 